Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. I know it's been an entire week and you've been Jones and Ford. It is the best Tuesday you've had all week and we are ready to rock. My favorite part about this is when we say things in advance like, well, we bring you local news. And what we really have is local people that are going to be talking about news <laughs> all over the place, but probably the local stuff. So I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. I've got a special guest in studio today, one of my all-time favoritist teammates. Justin Welcome. Brogerman. Thanks, Justin, for joining us. And I have to say, uh, the jury is out on whether or not we fire Matt. Right. Right? Matt is uh, hunting. Matt has been successful hunting uh, that, or he's great at Photoshop, which I'm really not ruling out. Just, just so you're everybody's aware, it's possible. And um, the markets have been up for the last two days in his absence, which clearly indicates that Matt leaves, markets go up. Right. So that makes sense, which I guess means we can't have him return. We'll see how the week finishes out, <laughs> and then decide. The, the market starts going back down. We'll be like, all right, well, maybe that's not it. But right now, clearly, his job status is in jeopardy. Right. So, um, and if you disagree, I'm trying to think of the phone number for like something that you shouldn't call that would be hilarious. Uh, look, if you want to join the program today, we are going to take calls. You can give us a shout five four one six seven three four four six four, and we are delighted to answer questions. Uh, we've got a few, don't we? Uh, mm -hmm. I got a few. First of all, the hilarious question of the day that was asked to us in studio right before we launched on the show. <laughs> Which was right. like, hey, Justin, is Social Security going to keep paying? Yes. <laughs> that's that's why I'm at. It's the short answer. The short answer. And people go, what if Social Security runs out of money? They'll just right. print more. That's right. I'm like, we just invented money from the ether. You're worried that Social Security can't write a check? They're, I mean, Government doesn't bounce checks; they just water them down. Right. And there, there's probably the quote that should be on the internet. Can we? Can I get credit for that? Government doesn't bounce checks; it just waters them down. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because here we are dealing with a really rough year in the markets. The last two days have just been uh, scorchers mm -hmm. the other direction, right? Scorchers. I mean, today S and P 500 finished up over three percent. NASDAQ, 3.34%. The Russell 2000, 3.91%. This is the whole index, gang. This yeah. isn't like one stock. This is like the whole team ran that much. We had to search for something that wasn't positive today. Yeah, we pulled up the heat map, and it's it looks like a sea of green everywhere you look. And then I, I kind of dug in there, and I finally found um, a negative in healthcare. Uh, Teleflex Incorporated which is a medical instrument supplier, they were negative a little bit. Uh, in the real estate environment, it looks like the Well Tower uh, Real Estate Trust, which is a healthcare real estate trust, it was down a little bit today, down 1.53%. Dollar General, there's a, sh a surprising mm -hmm. one, but, but not entirely surprising. It was down 0.56%. And you're, and you're like, well, why would that not be surprising? Justin, why do you figure Dollar General wasn't up? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I I figure it's defensive. Ulta's right? like, down. Ulta's you know, down a little bit too. Is it? Yeah. Is it? But are they in the S and P five? I don't they think so. Be. I mean, I would think they are, but I don't know. They might be in there. They're down point two percent. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's 
pretty rough. So anyway, it's what a crazy week so far. We hit the lows of the year on September 30th. Mm -hmm. Just miserable month. Uh, you know, it's one of those where, hey, beatings will continue until morale improves. Right. Uh, just miserable. And then we've seen the last two days this this big jump up. And and it's amazing how quickly the the tone has changed where all of a sudden people are saying, well, should we be buying the dip? Right. Right. And I'm like, you realize like on Friday, people were wondering if like we should be building bunkers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh maybe that was just me. I was wondering about bunkers. Uh crazy world that we're in. Uh but you know it's it, there are things it's great that we see this but I want to talk a little bit about the how do we say this it's 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 neither optimistic nor pessimistic but I would love to be realistic. Right? Okay. Couple of interesting things. We talked about this this morning investment committee one of them. Justin what is so scary about these giant up days? Because they come back. It's I miss the days of like a quarter percent days. Yeah. You know, these two to three percent swings, positive and or negative. Mm -hmm. It's just rough. It's like flashbacks to 2020. Yeah. It reminds me of that. And you're you're sort of hinting at and, and I'll uh, I'll lead the witness on this one too, because uh, poor Justin, I brought him in here flat footed and he's like, What what are you talking about? So this comes back to years and years of uh, study of the markets and some technical studies I did. And I haven't updated it with data in a few years, but uh, it has historically been the case, at least in the modern era, say let's, let's say, say post-1980, as we began to start introducing computerization into the trading process. Mm -hmm. and, and really post-1990, it was becoming standard. And then by the time we reached the 2000s, we were into the discount broker era, right? 1995 and on, we start seeing the E-trades, mm -hmm. Scott trades, and the this trade and the that trade. And uh, you know, only a few of them survived, but nevertheless, we saw the introduction of the DIY investment tools going into the dot-com era. And here's what's really interesting about big up days and why they make me nervous. Like 3% days are not typical. It's a huge move for the whole index to move that much. You know, I'm looking at some positions. Like Twitter was up over 20%. Right. And granted, it was on news about Elon Musk. But I look at a company like Affirm, and it was up like 12 or 13% mm -hmm. today. Uh, you know, a bunch of stocks up 7 to 10%. That is not normal. No. Right? Like, do you mean to tell me that between yesterday and today, that company became 10% more valuable? Yeah. And, and on percentages. Let's talk real numbers. We have a company that was worth $10 billion, and now it's worth $11 billion. Right. And I go, well, what changed? And and the answer is the date. Mm-hmm. Like, really? That, that, that changes the value of the company? And it's not really true. It's just a reflection of the last trade. But these giant swings, what, what happens historically is the biggest updates come in downward trends. Right. That's okay. the part that makes me uncomfortable about this. Now, that's not to say we couldn't have more follow through. Right. We had bidding at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Like there was a, a follow through, like a chase. Like we got to get in on this thing. So, first, we're going to play the game of why do you think that is? And then we'll play the game of and what does that mean? So, the first question 
and there's no right or wrong answer, Justin, but like, what do you think drove some of the buying? Could have been just because the the last week it's just oversold. Yeah, I think, and then it's part of it. Um, you know, options expirations for the end of the month, the new mm-hmm. quarter, a rebalancing. Um, those are the main reasons I have for it. Yeah, I think those are some of the structural elements of the market. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a quarter. Yeah. Right, which means a bunch of computer trading programs that are operating on weekly, monthly, or quarterly instructions. So they're going to go in and make adjustments. Right. Uh, I think we probably had a little bit of a short squeeze going on. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about that a little bit on the radio before, but uh, short squeeze, for those of you that are unfamiliar, it's a term shorting the market is when you sell a stock before you own it. And if you're thinking to yourself, that sounds nutty. Let me put it in terms you've maybe heard before. Uh, This happens all the time in real life. You go to a car lot and you say, I really like that car but I see that you only have a red one and I wanted black. And they go, no problem. We'll go ahead and do the paperwork and we'll have a black one here for you next Thursday. <laughs> and then they quickly shop the market all over the place, talk to another dealer and work it out, bring the car in. And so they'll sell you that car before they have it in their own inventory. Right. Now what they'll do is they'll usually call first and make sure it's available somewhere so that they know that they can get it to you. And that's much like how it works in stocks. Somebody will borrow the stock, then they will sell it, allow you to sell it, and then you can you know, buy it back later and return it. Mm-hmm. So that's called shorting the market. How do you make money on it? The market goes down. Yeah. <laughs> you, you buy it back cheaper than right. you sold it for. So, the, I mean, markets are easy. Buy low, sell high, mm-hmm. or sell high first and then buy low. Right. <laughs> I'm watching yes. the wheel spin here. Like, yes. Yes. Do that. So a short squeeze is when you sell a stock thinking it will go down, and then it starts going up instead, and you start losing money because mm-hmm. you're going to have to buy it back. And then you borrowed the stock, and you had to borrow money in order to do it. So you had to have a line of credit to say you're good for paying it off. Right. And all of a sudden, that line of credit is starting to work against you. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the bank says, um, you either need to put more money in this account to, to beef up your line of credit, or we're going to force you to buy the position back and stop the bleeding. Right? right? No more losses. We will force you to buy back in. And when that happens, that's a uh, called a margin call, usually. Mm-hmm. Because it means, oh, I'm forced to liquidate positions in order to cover my debit and in so doing my sell position just turned into a buy position and it also changed the entire order book around because now everybody that's trying to hope the stock goes the other way is forced to buy back and you well well, look at that right a bunch of buyers just showed up in the market and then we already had buyers driving it higher now we have even more buyers driving it even higher higher remember we talked about this a lot if you want to look back Probably it's over a year ago, but the incident with GameStop. That's right. Right, big short squeeze, mm-hmm. and as that was even more complicated because people were borrowing shares that, that but they didn't have shares. They were mm-hmm. selling them, and there were no shares to buy back, so they were really in trouble because oh, markets are going up, and there's nobody willing to sell mm-hmm. me shares, so I can't cover this mess. And then so 
but you know my my losses kept going and going he saw you know a 15 dollar stock shoot up to 300 yeah. so that by the way is not typical no just saying so so anyway that's part of what's got me nervous about this market is we may have some of it being driven by short squeeze uh short-term opportunists and when you get a six percent move in the market in two days there's oftentimes some profit taking that shows up right. in the short term. So all of that is possible and interesting right now. Uh, but I don't know if it's interesting enough to keep talking about it. Why don't we do this? <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll come back. And I want to talk a little bit more about why the market, like what was the first thing that drove it? And I'll give you a hint, Federal Reserve and why Germany hates it. Okay, that and more when we come back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Justin Bruggerman. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. If you are just joining us, it's got Justin in studio, and you got to catch the podcast, right? It's going to be available at littlejohnfs.com. And you, you, know, you should explore the entire site because it's full of Easter eggs and interesting stuff. But under the Educate tab, you can go through and you've got videos and stuff. And all of our radio shows are available as podcasts. So you can listen to them and get caught up on the stuff that you missed. Uh, but today, you know, first we're talking about markets, big move, mm -hmm. right? And then the question that kind of set us up is like, why the big move? The Fed. Right? The Fed. <laughs> and, and here's the really funny one. Uh, probably what the Fed is looking at is something called the Jolts Report. Okay, Ooh. I know everybody's yeah. rolling their eyes a little bit. So, like, well, of course, the Jolts Report. Well, duh. Uh, what you really meant to say was, what the heck is the Jolts Report? It's a jobs report. Yeah. Right. So it's giving us an indication of jobs. And another one was the um, ISM manufacturing data. So it's uh, a look at whether or not manufacturing is on the rise or the decline. Right. And we are back to we've played this game before by the way because if you've if you've been listening for years you'll be we're in opposite land okay opposite land is when bad news is good or good news is bad okay so normally low unemployment sounds good right right now low unemployment bad and you go what what <laughs> why is why do we is low unemployment bad, Justin? Because it means we are actually slowing down the economy. Well, well, well we or, have to. We have to. Right? Yeah. If, if if unemployment is low, then that right. means people are working. Right. People are working. Take. I mean, take a look around. Everybody's trying to hire. If you can't get workers, what happens to wages? Goes up. They go up. If wages go up, what happens to everything else? Goes up. Goes up. We have a word for that, you know. Inflation. Inflation, exactly. <laughs> so it's inflationary. So good news in this case is bad because it's inflationary, and inflation is running pretty rampant. Mm -hmm. How do you kill inflation? Raise interest rates. Yeah, you reduce demand, mm -hmm. and one of the ways you can do that is by raising interest rates, you're going to suck money out of the system, right? Because it costs more. Like. You can't buy as much house if it costs more to borrow a bunch right. of money. Yeah, you can't buy as much a lot of things. Oh, your credit cards are more expensive. Well, mm -hmm. your credit limit's lower. Can't buy as much. So that is a way to sort of throw a wet blanket on the economy is to raise interest rates. Why does Germany hate this? 
because in an inflationary period, the dollar is going up. And so when they're going through their inflationary issues as well, and then everything is like pegged to the dollar, like oil and gas, it is even double yeah, for it's, Germany. It's It creates a strain on trade because mm. the German economy is, they're not having the same inflation. I mean, they are having inflation issues because right. of the dollar, but they have, they did not have as much economic productivity. Like Europe's been in a slump. Right. So they have had to try to lower rates to stimulate things. And now imagine you can invest in a German bank and get paid nothing. Or you can go buy U.S. treasuries that are now yielding 4-plus percent on 10-year treasuries. Right. Well, they're going to stop investing in their bank, and they're going to go buy U.S. treasuries, mm -hmm. which normally has currency risk. Right. But right now... They just want the higher interest rate. And so what it does is it drives up the cost of dollars because there's more demand, right? Hey, you're right. paying 4% and we're getting nothing. So we'll go buy that. That's increasing the demand for dollars, which drives the price up, which has driven the euro down. And now the euro is basically at parity. So it's like one-to-one. -one. It used to, I remember times when it took $1.50 to buy one euro. Okay. Today, $1 buys one euro. Right. Which is great if you want to take a European vacation, right? Because it's going to be a lot cheaper than it used to be. But it's really tough if you're in Europe and you want to take a vacation to America, because everything costs fifty percent more, right? And it's creating a real issue. And you nailed it, right? One of the things that causes inflation is the energy price. And now, now we're getting into the weeds, right? Because. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but there's a war going on on the edge of Europe. So in Eastern Europe, in the Ukraine, there's a war, right? And the issue is that most or much of the European supply of oil comes from Russia. Mm -hmm. Russia's the opponent, right, to the Ukraine. And so through political alliance and so forth, strategic military or otherwise, the West and Europe have cut off Russia through sanctions and are not purchasing oil from Russia because that's part of how Russia finances their economy. Right. But it means they're forced to buy it from elsewhere, and oil is denominated in U.S. dollars. Their dollars are getting weaker, and the U.S. Mm -hmm. dollar is getting stronger, which means their energy price, they have a shortage of supply, and the dollars are weakening too. So it's really an inflationary toll on their economy. And it's, it's creating all kinds of issues. The energy issues are going to harm Europe. Uh, energy shortages can potentially harm Europe in physical capacity. Like, hey, you know, how are we going to keep the heaters on in the wintertime? Right. So, where do, you, where do you think gas prices run in Europe right now? Well, you know, we just, it's funny you say that. I actually had uh, about a week ago, I was talking with. Uh, a young man who's formerly an exchange student mm -hmm. in the area, and he was back visiting. He's from Germany, and he's in his early 20s. He was relaying that it's priced by the liter. Okay. And so you're looking at about three and a half liters as a gallon, roughly. Right. And they're paying a round equivalent of about eight bucks U.S. Okay. Just the exchange rate and everything. Yeah. So, And that's with you know where we're at exchange rate. But you can imagine, I mean, if you're paying eight, It'd be a little more than that, you know, eight fifty, almost nine dollars a gallon for gasoline. 
That would hurt. I think maybe it was close. Maybe the conversion was eight dollars for a gallon. You know, and we we were at you know five at the time, and it was, but it was still, you know, another thirty five percent more than right. we're paying for it. And and everybody's cringing now. I don't blame you because the ga- fuel prices have gone up so much so fast mm-hmm. that I mean, it's altering everybody's behavior. Yeah, it does. Right, because everything's more expensive. You know, we're, we're, we're smack dab in the middle of mo- no fun land. Which here's the here's the the reason that we're talking about this. If you're an investor and you're you're thinking like, great, now what? Because you have these two back to back huge days in the market where we're running up like three percent or more for the indexes, and you think that's a huge move. This is the start of the next rally, right? We should be getting excited about that. You go, well, hang on. It's not like the world stopped being broken right since Monday. What really drove this was. The news started getting worse. You know, jobs reports were kind of faltering. So, well, it looks like maybe it's working. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what's it that's working? The higher interest rates might right. be slowing down the economy. Manufacturing data is slowing. We've got some of these other things slowing. And the hope is, well, maybe, maybe the Fed can stop raising rates. Maybe they'll tone it down a little and so, bit. And that's the market sort of going, oh, that'd be great right. if we could do that. And uh, and I've been more pessimistic about this, saying, you know, we're, we're in a recession right now. The mm-hmm. data is starting to reflect that we've slowed it down. Uh, you know, GDP hasn't turned negative at this point uh, by the way the data is being measured. But, you know, I'm just hearing a lot more folks that are getting really cautious. And we're talking about big inventory builds mm-hmm. for a lot of companies. We saw shipment you know like when FedEx and UPS all get just shellacked in the last couple of weeks so their their stocks are way down you know, wasn't Nike like their inventory like 47 percent or something yeah, like that they have big builds in inventory mm-hmm. so now that we've got an increase in the supply side of the economy again we're starting to see demand destruction because I mean, here's the thing and it's it's like kind of picking on the faceless consumer here but as a group, consumers in America tend to be fairly short-sighted. Right. As a group, right? I don't know where you fall in that group. Short-sighted, I mean, money shows up in pockets, it gets spent pretty quick. Right. It, it's just, it's amazing how quickly it flows into the economy, and it doesn't go into a whole lot of savings very often. No. Nope. For a little while, it did during COVID, but you realize that's what happens when you shut everything down and nobody can spend it. Right. And then when they opened everything back up, everybody spent it. But they paid more for everything because inventories were so low. Now we're starting to see inventories improve. Mm -hmm. Everybody spent all the money and then they ran up their credit cards and then we drove up interest rates and now the credit cards cost more. (laughs) So we really kind of had some demand destruction because of the way the financial policies sort of worked their way through the system. And I, I am concerned, you know, these inventory builds, it's an interesting scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we will see if we end up uh, getting people back into the workplace or how that works because, you know, I, I don't know how we continue to have such uh, help wanted everywhere and the inability to find work. I mean, I talk right. all the time about well, we just can't find people to work. And maybe that's true. May, or maybe people don't want to work anymore. Maybe, you know, there's lots of jokes about younger people being fragile or whatever and right. not being willing to work. But I'm not going to go there. Oh, and then say, I, I read something not that long ago that because of the wage inflation, people that were working two jobs are now only working one because the wages have gone up so much. And so that could be some of it as well. Could be. 
I mean, there are a lot of things that it could be, but but wouldn't that show up in a reduced employment figure? It would. So, I mean, that's what I'm, yeah. I'm just scratching my head thinking. I mean, that could very well be true. Uh, I just wonder if folks aren't working in an environment where everything costs more. Right. How are you affording your life? That's, <laughs> I, I mean, it, that's a rhetorical question. I don't actually want to know. Or I, what I really don't want to find out is, well, through a series of government programs, I've been incentivized not to work. And then mm -hmm. I'll just bang my head on a wall and go, no, that's not the, what we're supposed to do. You know, the, we, that's, I don't want programs that incentivize otherwise productive people not to produce. Right. You know, I like programs that help people that are in a tough patch that can get back on their feet. Mm -hmm. I love that concept of us being able to help out our, our fellow men and women of the world or I don't know. Don't get me on the pronoun thing, but just I love that. But I don't want to have a pernicious incentive. So. All right. All right. So there you go. That's why Germany hates the high cost of U.S. dollars right now. <laughs> that the answer is commodities that are denominated in U.S. dollars, while the dollar keeps getting stronger relative to foreign currency. It's a huge headwind economically, and um, the the real question is: get this. If you've heard of the World Economic Forum, right, the scary group of billionaires that wants everybody to be socialists, uh, we're going to unpack a little bit about that, but we got to take an evil profit break first. So stick around, everybody. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Justin Bruggeman. we got True Well on News Radio 93.9 FM at 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with... Justin Bruggeman. And today, uh, we're, I guess we're covering the ground of like the impact of the higher dollar and what that's meant. Uh, interestingly enough, we were checking over the break. Uh, the euro has strengthened mm -hmm. uh, in the last couple of days. So as the stock market has gone up, we've seen bond prices decline a little bit. That's not untypical. So there's a little bit of relief there. Whether or not it's sustainable, I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I just don't know. Uh, I know that we've seen the impact all over the place. Uh, mortgage rates have hit the highest they've been mm -hmm. in like 15 years. Uh, you know, We saw mortgage rates for the 30-year mortgage go north of 7%. Was it north of 7? Yeah, just, I mean, just a few times, but it, you know, they actually uh, crested that. And then we've also just seen... Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of just kind of whipsaws in the market in general. Mm -hmm. So it's challenging time for investors. It's going to test your metal a little bit, unless you really are a long-term thinker. Right. Now, you know, here's the first—not the first. I got a question for you, Justin. What does the end of the world look like? <laughs> well, money would be irrelevant, I would assume. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, right. You know. Lead vest, bunkers, and guns and whiskey trade. The guns and whiskey trade. Yeah, it's like, what does it really take to have the whole system fail? I, I mean, I think it's I important know. that sometimes investors think about that, or just any of us. Uh, there, like, there's different levels of prepper. Okay, there's prepper. Like, we have seen natural disasters occur in different areas of the country mm -hmm. and they take on different flavors depending on where you are uh it, you know right now it's post 
uh, Hurricane Ian, but we have seen over time hurricanes create uh, massive problems because they're so destructive to property and infrastructure and dangerous and what have. Um, you know, we, we experience different things oftentimes in the Pacific Northwest. We don't typically, where we're at, see hurricane force winds. It's not no. impossible, but it's pretty extraordinary to be this far inland and have it occur. Uh, we do, however, we have seen extraordinary snowfall, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we have seen potentially earthquakes. Yeah. You know, we have had windstorms that have knocked out power and so forth. Flooding. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all real events that can occur. So, uh, you know, the idea is, well, maybe prepping looks like being ready for an event like that, where you need to have you know, some weeks of available supplies and, you know, what would happen if the power was shut down and right. how would you respond for a while until we are able to get things restored. Uh, that, to me, is a different level of prepping, though, than prepping for civilization as we know it collapsing into anarchy and we return to the feudal system. Right. Okay. And if you're not sure what that means, that's like knights in armor kind of thing, right? The feudal system is sort of the warlord system where the people that are powerful get their little kingdom of Mm -hmm. folks and they're responsible for protecting them. And then everybody has to sort of pay taxes to the hired gun thugs that are supposed to protect them. Mm-hmm. Right, and then that's sort of how f- feudalism arose, and and then it, it graduated to slightly more, uh, we'll call it civilized over time, right? But a little less of a warring faction event. But that's kind of what that would mean. And I go, well, what does it take to really get there? Right, it's not an impossible thing. I, I mean, I, I kind of tell people, if we're if we're handicapping the odds, though, what's the probability that you have a system-wide collapse to anarchy. And that means sort of everybody in the military and law enforcement sort of abandons post mm-hmm. and, um, and or forms their own local militia types and, and takes over strong arm uh, law at that point. You have all of the different infrastructure systems for transporting power, water, sewage, other utilities, goods and services that kind of all simultaneously fail like all the financial systems shut down at the same time, so there's no mechanism of trade amongst each other. Like, how do you do that? And you know, I've, even when people say, "Well, you know, an EMP or something," I go, does it take out the whole world? Right. right. And, I, and I would say, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's improbable. Right. Like, at what point do you say, "Well, it's like point zero zero six percent odds." So you're saying there's a chance. Well, yeah, and somebody wins the lottery. Like somebody wins Powerball, just not you. It's like getting struck by lightning today in Roseburg, Oregon. A few times, <laughs> right. right? Like you have to get struck multiple times. Yeah. And, and you go, well, I'm not saying it can't happen, but that's a really silly and semantic way to approach it. It, it could happen, but I'm saying it's not a, a chance that's worth considering. Right. Uh, because if it does, like we're all sort of screwed. Right, like, like we're screwed if that's what happens. And so, yes, if you have a bunker, you'll live longer than everybody else, and you'll still die eventually. Right, right, because it'll be a disease or something else that'll get you. Because we have no doctors anymore, because all of our infrastructure's <laughs> gone. So I just don't see it as probable. And even after previous world wars, unless like we nuke the world and everybody's gone, and then it's like, well, cockroaches or something. Yeah. Then we'll patch it back together. You know, I don't know what it takes to get to Mad Max, but it's it's just it doesn't make sense. So I have to err on the side of what does make sense and as the high probability, which is 
the system is invested in self-correcting, mm-hmm. right? Let me say that again for all of you. The system is invested in self-correcting. It wants to heal and get back to something healthy. Capitalist systems want to do that. Now, if the system was successfully sort of derailed so that it wasn't capitalist anymore, okay, that could eventually change because it's more like an Atlas Shrugged event. Okay. You just, you just run out of people willing to do the work to right. get it done. You know, like, great, we broke the power lines. There's no power. And everybody goes, that's a tough break. Well, who's going to go put it back on? Well, nobody because there's nothing in it for them. Right. Right. So, I mean, a few people at gunpoint, but now you got to convince the military <laughs> to put gunpoint to the linemen to drag them out there to get it done. I'm not saying it couldn't sort of happen, but it doesn't happen as well. Right. When you, you know, fear is only such an, so good of an incentive, especially if folks have had freedom. It's hard to take free people and break them down yeah. to perform that way. Uh, you know, you, can you beat them down eventually to it? Yeah, you could. Probably. I don't know the psychology behind it, but that's a really warped program, and I don't want to go there. No. So then what? System wants to get better. System is incentivized to get better, right? Now, here's the wild card. I mentioned this. Oh, shoot. I'm looking at the clock now. I should have done that. I should have talked more about the World Economic Forum and didn't. Make me do this, Justin. Let's okay. take our last break. <laughs> okay. Make me talk about the World Economic Forum. Okay. Okay. And everybody that's listening is like, it's not that you care, but it might, it might just change the way you view a few things. We'll see. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Justin Brogman. Yeah, True Well on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Well Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Justin Brugman. Justin, we got to talk about the World Economic Forum. Yes, we do. Okay. So, first, I'm not going to go deep into this because I really haven't studied deep into this. But you know that there's a lot of fun to be had at the conspiracy theories surrounding this group. It's sort of a group of uh, leadership from like the G20, right. the largest 20 economies in the in the globe. And then uh, corporate leaders from, you know, large like Fortune 50 type companies uh, around the globe. So it's, it's kind of a billionaire club that and and then, you know, power broker club that's been getting together and they get together in Davos, Switzerland. And and I joke cuz it seems like the like a James Bond convention. Right? <laughs> I just wonder which one of these people is secretly putting like a satellite in space that with lasers or you know some bizarre thing, right? Uh, or they've got a submarine. It's, who knows? But James Bond is going to fix it for us, right? Uh, so you know, I, to which I say thank you. But yeah. <laughs> the the World Economic Forum, it's it's this really it's sort of a billionaire club. And where I think it, it really ruffles a lot of feathers is billionaires, as can happen, uh, can come off as pretty elitist. Mm-hmm. Right? And, well, yeah, you can buy whatever you want. So money's not the thing, right? So then what? Well, now we start to try to socially engineer and make the world better as we believe it should be because, right. you know, we're a pretty big deal. And for folks that are not a pretty big deal, kind of like me, we look at that and maybe say, 
maybe you could just stay out of my business and I'll just, you know, we'll do what we do and you can do what you do and we're cool with that, right? Mm -hmm. And here's where the alarm, like the dog whistles have gone off, is there's a lot of talk where the World Economic Forum players start to flirt with concepts that sound pretty socialist, mm -hmm. right? And we start hearing new terminology that didn't exist before, things like stakeholder capitalism, okay? And no, that's not a reference to those of you that aren't vegetarian, right? It's <laughs> I, stakeholder capitalism is the idea that it's not just about the shareholder anymore, but it's also about the folks that are involved in running the company mm -hmm. or that are impacted by it, right? So it's a, a broader view of things. And yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, when, when viewed through a certain lens, it's quick to start to go, you know, some of this sounds like social engineering, like you're going to try to really coerce everybody's behaviors to be a certain way. Right. Um, a lot of it's been through mechanisms of like environmental engineering. So, oh, well, we need to you know, do more about global warming. Therefore, we're going to compel these types of behaviors. And I'm not going to say one way or the other whether this is good, bad, or I mean, largely I'm going to err on the side of freedom, just so you guys know. Okay? Right. And I'm also going to err on the side of suspicion around data these days because I think that so many people have something to sell when they are or, – or something to personally benefit from, right? So the fiduciary in me kind of throws a flag and immediately says, don't come up here and tell me how, you know, we need to save the planet and, by the way, buy solar panels from me. Right. Right? Like that <laughs> is – you're self-serving on that one. And so I'm like, okay, I have to question the efficacy of the effort here because it's enriching you. So there, there you go. But what if there was something else at play here? And I'm just going to throw a crazy theory out there. It goes back to my little our, our comments about Germany, right? Germany, or really the Europe in general. Mm -hmm. Just got to be frustrated with a dollar that keeps going up and the Federal Reserve that keeps raising rates. Mm -hmm. And, and so while we're trying to combat inflation here, it's almost causing inflation across the pond. Right. So imagine you're part of the billionaire club and you get together saying, you know, all of us do business all over the globe. And what we would really benefit from is could we get everybody to stop behaving in ways that are counterproductive to what we're trying to accomplish? Because, you know, this country over here wants to burn coal while this country over here is trying to you know, do solar and, you know, like they're counterproductive. It's not working. Right. And you know what's really going to happen? This is not going to make me any money. <laughs> yes, I'm extrapolating. I don't know that that's really the motivation, but just stay with me. Stick around. So you're going, wait a second here. I, <laughs> your, your central bank in your country is doing this one thing, and I'm over here in this other country, and my central bank's doing another thing, and this is not helping my billionaire status at all. Clearly, I am enlightened and you are not. I think you should change your behavior to this. Yes. <laughs> and so everybody gets around. I don't know where. It's in Davos, Switzerland. It, it sounds like an ice palace on top of a mountain or something. So there you're in your fortress of solitude, right? And you're going, hey, we're going to orchestrate the world here. And they go, well, what does that look like? So, well, can we just get our central bankers to not be so aggressive in all these different directions and maybe coordinate policy a little bit more mm -hmm. so that we don't 
create inflation in the U.S. that then they have to kill, but it, they kill it by creating inflation somewhere else. And so I wonder if there is some of that that's just it's less about, hey, I'm a, I just want power and therefore let me compel everybody to do this thing that I want. And it's more about I don't want to lose my position at the top of the food chain swimming in my money bin. <laughs> And so I need to make sure that you don't screw this thing up for me by putting bad policy in place that either puts me at risk to my competitors or otherwise costs me a bunch of money. Maybe. <laughs> and Maybe. So here's <laughs> new rules for Dave, right? Which is if I could explain it by accident or stupidity, that's probably what happened. Second... The simplest explanation is the most likely explanation. That's something called Occam's razor. And, and then beyond that is I put my foil hat on. And the, the, the issue anymore is sometimes the foil hat sounds pretty good. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. And so, yeah, what a, what a world, yeah, right? I might have to dig deeper into this before we start foil hatting completely. I haven't I haven't completely gone there because, uh, you know, the the folks that get really deep into this now, but every now and then the foil hat stuff kind of plays out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and we've seen it in like social movements that start with good ideas, and then you find out that the people running them were just enriching themselves, right? And you go, oh, that's tough, right? But but that happens everywhere. It's like when you find a religious organization with somebody at the top in a position of financial control is enriching themselves, and you know, they kind of black eye the whole institution. Mm -hmm. Right? You go, well, fudge. <laughs> 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 that's just the issue. Um, so I, I wonder about that with you know the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. Is it is it really that it's evil intent is it really like we need to turn everybody into social now sometimes they make some statements right. where you're like yeah maybe <laughs> like everybody should have their own you know 10 by 10 box to live in and we'll all be the same and here's your uniform uh, but i don't know i just I, don't know i don't think that go over very well not in a lot of places no. so so anyway i go back to remember can you explain by accident or stupidity just because never underestimate the power of stupid I mean, man <laughs> i have I've personally done some stupid stuff and then go well there's your sign right so i don't know uh, and then you know the other is accident now accident can also fall into the category of uh unintentional okay mm-hmm and, and this is where I do my very clever yet obvious pivot to where we talk about what is it we're selling on the show. Because <laughs> you go, great, we've talked about you know, all the different people that are nefarious and they all got something to sell. So the, the trick is just be transparent, right? Uh, I don't know if all of our listeners are aware of this or not, but uh, we, we peddle financial advice. We do? Yeah, yeah, we, we, yes. you better, Justin. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we better. Uh, and so, the, the, I guess the key on this one is, first of all, kind of the free advice in general. Uh, I would say emotions mm -hmm. are your enemy. So, you, what you want is discipline over emotion, right? Attitude and opinion is not a good investment strategy. So, I'm going to encourage you to have more to it than that. Uh, and then the other is remember that doing things intentionally tend to work out better than doing things unintentionally. Right. 
Not always, right? You know, I've always said I'd rather be lucky than good. Yes. But uh, I think it works even better if you can be good and lucky. Yeah. So to that end, if you do not have somebody in your world that you're working with, uh, remember, it's it's your mind is a an emotional and dangerous place. Careful going there alone. Right. So if you if you need to tag somebody in to just kind of help wade through that and figure some stuff out, we would be delighted to help you with that stuff. Uh, here's the real twist is can Justin remember the phone number of our firm off the I top of his I do. 541-375-0898. Mm-hmm. Or you can email us at info at littlejohnfs.com. Exactly. And uh, here's the thing. Uh, we're real people, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's a very good chance uh, you, you know, you'd be meeting face-to-face with me or Justin or Matthew. And uh, so it is a team operation. I mean, it's well, fun having you in studio. Or all of way. us. Or all of us. Right? Because we share all the time. Justin is uh, probably, am I, is, am I allowed to say you're probably the quietest of the group? Yes. By, <laughs> by a large margin, probably. <laughs> Magnitude of order. <laughs> uh, and yet, uh, very talented planner. So uh, we're delighted to have you. And guess what? The music is playing. You survived the show. Uh, 265 so, weeks later so did it and all, yeah, I know it's the first one he's been on with just me so uh, thank you as always my friend and thank you everybody for joining us and listening in today uh, don't forget to give us a shout at littlejohnfs.com or well, 541-375-0898 we're out of town or time see you later the preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services the opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications its affiliates or its employees